0: What's happening, church? How are we? All right. Loving our new series, Packed House, again this week. Uh, Hey, I'm Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors here on our staff. And let me officially again welcome all of you and everyone who's first time today and everyone watching online. Uh, So we're week two in a series called Unshaken. Uh, Last week, our goal was to help us when things get crazy. Right? Uh, All of us have crazy times in our life where things get, where we get freaked out, we get scared, we get nervous. It can happen for a lot of reasons. We're unpacking this guy's story in the Bible, named Elijah. We looked at his life last week and we really kind of went the direction of trying to look through, uh, or trying to help us look correctly through a lens that we sometimes mess up. And that is this. Oftentimes we look at God and his love through the lens of our circumstances. And when circumstances are bad, so goes what we think about God and his love. So what we're doing in this series through this guy's life, Elijah, is just doing the opposite. Trying to look at our circumstances through the lens of God's love. And so we talked about that last week, uh, had some fun with it. This week we're going to have a lot of fun with this topic. Uh, I'm looking at the idea of scarcity today. Uh, Scarcity meaning like when things run out. How do we handle stuff when all of a sudden things start shrinking, when they start drying up? It could be emotionally, it could be physically, it could be in your marriage, it could be in your finances. Sometimes in my household, we have scarcities. Uh, in my house, I'm looking at my three beautiful ladies on the front row and uh, my son who's not here this morning, but I remember like a year and a half ago, Christy came home with like a, 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 an unbelievable like load of groceries, and uh, we've been on this health kick for a while, and so we always like get wide eyed, like, what did you bring? Right? And so we're, we're like unpacking everything, helping put stuff away. And all of a sudden we realize like flavor blasted goldfish. Woo! We're fired up. And then we notice like a 12 pack of jello pudding. You thought I was going to say something else, right? So like this 12 pack of jello pudding. And we're like, yes, awesome. And so in a matter of like 10 minutes, I go to get some jello pudding and there's none left. And I'm like, all of a sudden, I've been out of shape. I'm mad. I'm upset. And so, what happens in the next 30 minutes, I'm not proud of, but let's just say that everybody was upset. I had everybody crying. Everybody was sideways, all because the scarcity in my house of the jello pudding. What I did not realize was it had not all been eaten, most of it had been hidden away, tucked away. And don't you know when. Things get lean, sometimes we do weird stuff. We try to hold back, we try to hide, we try to cover up, we try to fix things. And sometimes we do them in, in weird, bad, not healthy ways because, I mean, things, things are messed up. It's crazy. So we looked at this guy's last, this guy's life last week, and we're trying to just help us to know how to weather the difficulties, to know how to go through the storms and the struggles without just having our worlds rocked where we have a meltdown and we just roll over and, you know, go up in fetal position and say, you know, I I quit, right? I give up, walk out the door, end things, game over. We're trying to look at how we can glean and gain hope and strength through the connection that really ultimately God wants to have with us. And so we're looking at this guy's life, uh, Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah, we're not looking at Isaiah, we're looking at Elijah again today. And this is a powerful story. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to look up 1 Kings 17. If you're new to Bible study, 1 Kings is like, let's just say it's about eight eight or so books into the Old Testament. So start in the very front, Genesis, and go about eight books back. You'll find 1 Kings chapter 17. We've got message notes. Hold your notes if you got notes this morning, your little worship guide, thingamajiggy. All right, if you got that, if you need one, let us know. All right, well, you can follow along with that. All right, we, we might have someone that needs some. Guys, can you all help me with that? Raise your hand if you need a worship guide for notes. we got a few back over here. Good. Go ahead. I'm glad I asked because some of you guys are missing. All right. So follow along with that. And also, if you like, big, shiny screen, Uh, we got a big screen back here. We'll throw verses up on that also. All right. Before we dive into this passage, let me slow down. Let me just pause for a second. Let me just pray for us, for you, that God would speak to us today. Deal? All right. God, pausing right now. One, because I recognize nothing can happen without you. God, uh, my words are just words, but God, I pray that you would use your word, your truth, to permeate permeate our hearts, to open us up, to do a little open heart surgery in our, on our hearts and lives today. And God, I pray for those that have come today, and God, they're either they don't know why they're here, they're just here, or whether they're here and they're they're desperate, God. God, I believe that you brought us here, and it's not an accident that we're here today. So God, would you do what you want to do in us? Give us some eyes. Give us the ears. Give us uh, what we need to, to let what you would say uh, grip our hearts and cause us to recognize some things that we need to see and do differently. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. So First Kings 17, I'm going to dive right in today. Let me give you a quick background because some of you guys are walking into like Midways into the movie, since we started last week. So, Elijah is a prophet. Uh, Old Testament prophets uh, were guys that God would say, I want you to speak to my people. Now go tell them what I said. And they would go speak on behalf of God. They were prophets of God. So, Elijah was a prophet. Israel had uh, abandoned God. They, they've, they've drifted away. They've forgotten God. They've had so many experiences in the past that they could. They could, If they would slow down long enough to be refreshed on, be reminded of, of how great God is, his power, his majesty, but they've just forgotten. They've just kind of lost it, right? They've kind of just drifted so far, and they've got sidetracked with all this other stuff. We learned last week that they, they were following these other false gods. So Elijah, the real prophet with the real God, has a showdown with all these other prophets, and they annihilate them. In fact, all the, they killed all these other prophets, so it's kind of crazy in the story, but kill all these other prophets... You have, entering into the scene, King Ahab and his more evil wife, Jezebel. Anytime you have a name Jezebel, you know she's like the villain in the bunch. So we've got this evil queen, and they set out and put a bounty on Elijah's head, and everybody is out to kill Elijah. So Elijah skirts away, he hides, he's run, he's, he's having, you know, uh, the shakeup of his life. And we see him, he gets weak in the knees at different times, but we see last week that he turns towards God and, and finds strength through God to weather that storm. Now this week's going to just drop kick that week, last week, because he goes through some crazy, much worse stuff this week. So we find Elijah this week, uh, God telling him to pray that there would be no rain. God wants to send a clear message to Israel, hey, you've drifted, I want you to come back, let's turn up the heat. Turn up the dial, and hopefully you'll return to your first love, me, because I love you. So he, has, he asked Elijah, don't, don't, uh, don't, we don't want it to rain. Pray that it doesn't rain. Elijah prays it doesn't rain. Guess what? It doesn't rain. And it doesn't rain, and it doesn't rain, and it doesn't rain. Three years they go without rain. So that causes the entire area, the entire nation, to go into complete famine mode. No rain means no water, which means economic meltdown. Right? No buying, no selling, no production, no, you know, nothing. This just halts everything. So they get, I mean, royally messed up. Uh, So now Elijah, God tells him to go out into the wilderness. So he does. And he tells him to go in to be at this particular creek, like a brook. All right? So he goes to this brook. There's been water flowing in this creek still. Although there's been no rain, God's been providing for Elijah from this creek. Now, things begin to change, 1 Kings 17, verse 7. But, after a while, the brook does what? Dries up. Yeehaw! So I'm on God's team, we're praying for no rain, you send me out to the wilderness, I'm all alone in the wilderness, that sucks, and then all of a sudden, worse than that, you cause my source to dry up for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. So I don't know, honestly, I mean, I can't really, I can assume, but I don't know what Elijah's thinking. But I know he's been out there for a long time now. He's been out in the wilderness for a long, long time. You know how crazy things can get if you're alone for a little while, alone with your own thoughts, and you can have some, you know, mental gymnastics going on, and, you know, we we see Naked and Afraid. Anybody ever watch that? Shame on you. That's the weirdest I've seen it before too. Show. But it's it's like the worst thing you can ever watch. But you watch these people out there and you're like, they get kooky acting. They lose it. They do dumb stuff, man. I don't know why you do that in the first place. But here this Elijah's like naked and afraid right now. He's on his own. He's in the wilderness. I don't know if he, if his if, what do they call that, the number they rate these people at, something survival rating is 75. I don't know what it is at. But He's been out there for a while. He's been drinking from this creek. It's been his source and provision up until now, and now it's drying up. So here's what happens. When we dip below our comfort level, it's easy to get scared. It's easy to shift to a scarcity mentality. And, and I don't mean just in our finances. And I was reminded I was talking to someone last hour, and they had shared with me, some financial pains, and I was reminded through their story of my friend a couple years ago shared with me uh, he was laid off from his work. they gave him a six month severance he was feeling pretty good because he had, he had that, and he had a whole bunch of savings saved up, but he had three kids you know they 're getting older got got one going into college well he 's pretty cool for the first few months, but after three or four months, and now he can 't find a job, and that goes on then at that time for almost two years and he looks around and he's like, I've used up my severance, I've used up almost all our savings, now what do I do? Well, it's so funny seeing him in this process, he went from like, Mr. like Happy-go-lucky, Mr. Generosity, helpful, kind, serving, to all of a sudden like, like closed up, recluse, and like, don't touch me, leave me alone, I'm, I'm, I'm messed up, we're messed up, I don't know how to get this right, we're just, you know, this guy was lost, and so... What happens is uh, we can get to the scarcity mentality, um, so t- t- truthfully, like the last six months in my household has been a little crazy. we've got a daughter going off to college we've been saving up for that, um, getting ready for pre- prepared for all that and I remember probably uh, five months ago six months, chris five six months ago, Christy and I are talking, and we're just thinking through our finances for the next six months. you know we've got these parties lined up we're going to have a graduation party from. The, all the family, we are have a graduation party for all of my daughter's friends, we're thinking through all of what needs to go and get ready to send up to college, and we're lining all that up, and right before graduation, right before the party, before we're sh- just shelling it out, because you know you love your kids, right, you do whatever, they, whatever it takes, right, been there, done that, um, the car breaks down, and we're like, dad, gum, three grand, I could, we could totally use that somewhere else, God. Why? I don't want to. I mean, if, could you just fix the car, God? You know, we we give, we tithe. I'm gonna act that verse out. It's not my car, God. It's your car. I did that whole thing, God. I've been trusting you with my stuff, and I, I we preach that, we talk about that, and I'm like working that angle with God. The graduation goes by. We 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 you know we figure it out, we make it work, and we're like, oh, that was painful. The week after the first, like, high school friend, you know, graduation party, we now have the next wave of partiers coming through. That's all the family. So Christy's, you know, she's making it right, making it awesome. Then the AC goes out in our house. Yeah, that was fun. And then we have another car break. And then also the washing machine breaks. So we replace the washing machine and we're going, God, what's going on in here? We don't like this. You know, and I go from like, Woo, let's party. What do you want me to get? I'll go to Samson. I'm bringing everything home to like, no, 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 no. Hold up. Wait a second. Right? This happens to us. So what happens to us in this situation is what happens to all of us. I mean, some of us, we, we're at a place where things have dried up, like Elijah's scenario, and now we're withholding from people around us. Maybe you've, you've, you're brokenhearted, hearted. Uh, maybe the, the the idea of relationship, there's a scarcity in the relationship, scarcity in your finances. Maybe there's something going on at work. There's a scarcity there. So how do we deal with this stuff where we can manage and work through and even blossom in these moments? Not shrink back, not shirk, not die, not drown, and see this as a negative, but see this as something that's maybe something that God's doing. So notice this. Elijah Elijah. In his scarcity, in your notes, jot this down, what he does is he opens up to God. Instead of walking away from God because, God, I thought you were my source. I thought you'd been helping. I, God, I've been doing what you said. And here's this guy. He's got to be thinking, I'm like your man. I'm like a prophet. And here you've done this to the children of Israel to bring them back to you. I'm already with you. Why, why, why do I have difficulty, right? We've all said that before. So notice just his M.O. in this situation. He doesn't walk away from God. He leans into God. He literally opens up to God, and that's what I want us to see this morning. When we go through difficult times, when it gets messed up, when you just lose sight of what in the world is going on, and it's painful and it hurts and you're mad, lean into God. Lean into Him more so than you would than when things were good. Keep trusting Him. Don't quit trusting Him. Keep trusting Him. Verse 8 says this, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have entrusted a widow there to feed you. All right. That's some good news. Thank you. Right? He's thinking, awesome. Right? So he's he's not, you know, he, he he's had the source of this river. It's dried up. I'm sure he's been appreciating the water, maybe even doing what we do sometimes, like leaning into the source, not necessarily leaning into God. Right? Right? And God sometimes will subtract out the source to remind us that he's the source. So he has to walk away from his river, his creek, go to this city, because God's going to feed him there, apparently. He's going to, this woman's going to feed you. And that's the challenge for us. Um, Scarcity will cause us to oftentimes close up to God. If you've been walking with God a little bit and things go south, sometimes we just kind of feel like, well, God you're you' you're, you forgot us so I'll forget you and th- that's the whole story of this these the children of Israel they feel like God you've forgotten us and we'll forget you and sometimes it's, it's I know it's complicated right there's so many moving parts and variables and all this and it, it's easy to get lost but here's the thing when it gets crazy the challenge is don't close up to God. Trust God all the more in those moments, and I'll show you why in just a second. The other day, I I thought this was kind of funny. You know how moms can get, families can get right after they have a baby? You know, when all of a sudden there's a scarcity of sleep? Uh, Check this out. I saw this on a door one time, and I thought I'd show it to you just to show you how how I can get wigged out um, with mom and mommy and daddy scarcity. You guys got that? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I know it. I feel it. Um, there we go. Okay, good. All right, so saw this on a door. I took a picture of it. It says, no soliciting. We have a baby in the house that is asleep. And if you wake him, mommy and daddy were very upset. You ever, you ever, you ever felt like that before? All right, so this is what they say. To, just to be clear, they jot these things down. We are too broke, and they spelled that wrong. We are too broke, brook, I don't know, but they're too broke, and they're too broke to buy anything we're too broke to buy anything we already know who we are voting for right this is probably a year ago um, we have found Jesus in case you're wondering no we've already got that solved all right we don't need a vacuum we have central vac and I love this last one seriously unless you're selling thin mitts go away <laughs> like this is the ultimate scarcity right but, I mean, you've been there before, right? We've been there. Three kids later, I mean, we've had those moments where, like, if someone knocks on our door, I'm going to kill them, right? <laughs> Stay away. I thought that was funny. But it's, it's, it's true for us. I mean, it could be a financial thing. It could be a time issue for us. It could be a, a sleep issue. It could be a relational issue. But when there is scarcity, uh, let that lead you to greater dependence on God. Um, Why? Let me show you this in in your notes. Point number two. Why? Because scarcity is an opportunity. Scarcity is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for God. It's an opportunity for us to to, to see what he wants us to see, to maybe grow in an area, to maybe totally illuminate something you've never seen that, that God wants to fix or solve, or maybe God just wants to take you, her, it, this, whatever, to a whole new level of experiencing God. I don't know. But we know this all whenever there's a scarcity, it's always an opportunity. It's always an opportunity. Let me show you this and prove this to you in Matthew. Matthew New Testament, chapter 6 verse 33 says this. It says seek the kingdom of God above all else. Meaning for us who are Americans, it's it's not all about seeking my happiness, right? Which there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But it's not about seeking meaning. It's not about seeking anything else other than if we'll get this straight, if we'll seek first God and what he's doing in the world, then then everything else is going to make sense. He says, if you'll seek my kingdom above all else and live righteously, live right, I will give you everything you need. All right? That's a promise from God. That's what God tells us. If you'll follow me, pursue me above all else, I'm going to take care of everything. One, just when you're closer to God, I mean, you can't get lost, like we said last week, right? God can't get lost, and I'm close to Him, that man, that's going to be a better place for us. So seek the kingdom of God, live righteously, and He'll give us everything we need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Wouldn't that be nice? Right, if we are seeking God, God can help us with that. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So maybe you've had the door shut to God. Maybe maybe it's just been closed off and maybe God wants to use this to kind of revive or resurrect some stuff inside of you to bring you back to him. Maybe God's using this difficulty as an opportunity to, to bring you back to himself. I mean, when you think about our the, mission, the whole mission statement of our church, the mission of our church, the way we say it is we want to help people find their way back to God. This is what God's doing here. He's taking and showcasing to to all of us in the entire world that's ever followed that era, that I have what it I have everything you need. I am all that you ever will need. I'm enough, and if you pursue me, I'll provide and take care of you. That's what he says here. So some of you right now, I, I heard this morning from the earlier audience that we had. Several people just say, "Me, I'm exhausted. I'm just exhausted." I'm like, I'm ready to tap out. We You just have no idea where we've been financially. You have no our, our idea where we are in my relationship with my husband and my wife. Uh, th- th- we're just we're ready to tap out. Well, here's the thing. Know this. I promise you it's an opportunity for God to do something in your life. That's what God does. That's what we see in this story. The third thing I want to show you in the midst of this is doesn't always... Just sweeten up and get better all of a sudden. Sometimes there's some more pain. Sometimes there's some more struggle. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat this because this story just spells spells us out. Sometimes you got to expect things to heat up. Now, I I, um, I had a friend a few years ago. It's a little bit weird, but he used to always make his wife's lunch as she would go off to work. That was one of the things he liked to do. He's a real cook kind of guy. And he'd make her lunch and make this wonderful lunch for her every day. Well, at her office, people found out that she had great lunches. So they started taking her lunch. So over a period of, I don't know, a few weeks, she told him, these people at my work are stealing my lunch every day. So he's like, oh, really? And, you know, he kind of goes, you know, man and, like, protector mode and says, like, I'm going to solve this. So he makes the best chicken wings ever, right, right? And he goes and buys this sauce called Mad Dog Hot Sauce. And I looked it up just because I was trying to remember this story. I looked it up. Mad Dog Hot Sauce. I watched this video. In fact, I, I couldn't show the video, but you should go probably watch it. There's several out there. Just Google Mad Dog Video, right? Mad Dog Hot Sauce Video. And watch these two idiots who have a Mad Dog Challenge by just taking a little drop, just I mean a little bit on their mouths. They end up, I mean, snot and slobber and, I mean, it's just disgusting. It was awesome. And <laughs> these guys go crazy. So this guy takes and drops like two drops on every chicken wing and sends her to work with this wonderful lunch for the, for the perpetrator who's going to try to steal it. Well, she's on her computer and it's like noon. She's <laughs> tripping away. All of a sudden, she hears somebody in the, in the kitchen just like, oh, oh, just like he's coughing and hacking. And freaking out, people go running in there. He comes flying out, and she's just sitting there, head perched, and she just keeps typing. The long, long, and short part of the story: her lunch never gets stolen again. Never gets stolen again. And here's the point: heat has a way of bringing things to life. Am I right? Right? You turn up the heat, people come running for Jesus. Right? So here's God. God's turning up the heat because he's wanting the relationship. He's wanting the connection. He doesn't want any to be anybody, anybody in our world today or then at that time, to be separated from him. And here he does have someone who he loves going through some difficult times, and God draws near to him. God draw, draws near to Elijah. He sends him on this venture to go to this city to this woman who he's preparing to take care of himself. but The heat gets turned up. This is not the end of the story. It gets crazier. All right, so verse 10, so he went to Zarephath, and it wasn't just the challenge of having to go to a new place, but this is also the evil king, evil queen's hometown. This is where Jezebel's from. So she's got family who lives there. He's on the run. He's trying to hide from her. So he's probably thinking, God, this is not a great idea. Seriously, I gotta go there? Okay, I go, I'll go. I'll do what you say. He leans into God, he obeys God, he does what God says. He goes to this place. It says, as he arrives at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. Alright, that's 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 the that's the girl. That's the one I've got to meet. So he asks her, Will you will you please bring me a little water and a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called her. I think this is kind of funny. He called her, hey, bring me a bite of bread too. It's kind of like how you guys do when you're sitting at your house. I don't do this. But I know some of you guys have heard that you'll be in your easy chair and your wife will get up something to go from the kitchen. And you'll be like, hey, can you also get something while you're, right? I've never done that. But so so he does this. He's like, here's this little sweet little widow woman, right? She's got a son we'll learn. She's going to get it. And he says, while you're going, get me some bread too. Um, But here's where it gets crazy. But she says, I swear by the Lord your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. She's supposed to feed them. That's what God said. He's thinking, uh, something's wrong. No bread in the house, and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. So they're, they're de- talking about the creek that's gone dry. This woman, her, her resources, they've gone dry. And this is not even the worst of it. I was just... She says, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook the, this last meal and then my son and I will die. Like, Elijah's thinking, I'm an idiot. I don't know why I came here. and I'm, I'm, I'm supposedly speaking on God's behalf. I want this woman to kind of recognize God's good, but this is not working so far. So, here's the thing. Sometimes... God will lead you through impossible situations. For point number four, to trust that God is enough. Sometimes God's going to lead you to the worst situations through the most unthinkable scenarios to help you get to a place where you recognize that He is enough. Now I know for most of us, we look at the creek, we look at what has been our source, our income, right? I, I, I get that way. I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting for that paycheck. It's, it's going to meet my needs. I'm waiting for something for my wife that I'm used to, you know, having. And all of a sudden, when something changes, I realize I was looking at that as my, my, my source. And God's going, no, 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 no. I made that the source. I'm the source of the source. I'm the source. So what we gotta, we've got to realize, we've got to trust God to be enough. Verse 13, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. And he's, he's, he's quoting, I believe, what God said to him and saying to her what he's supposed to say. But he's still doing it. He's, he's having to man up here, right? Because I would be thinking, this is just jacked up. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. She just told you you didn't have your bread. So she's going to take the rest of her flour, the rest of her oil, and then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Greedy jerk, <laughs> right? I'm thinking, Holy cow poor lady. Here's the prophet of God. He's got everything on his side, poor little widow. But here's the thing. He says, for this is what the Lord God said, the Israel says. And then he, says, he tells her a promise. For this is what the Lord God says. There will be enough flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops are grown again. So what does he say to her? He says, trust God at his word. I'm going to trust him. You, let's, you trust him too. Okay, so verse 15. So she did what Elijah said. She obeys. She, she does it. And she, she, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for what? What? Many days. So the source was coming in just as God promised. However, it says there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised Elijah. Verse 17. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick and grew worse and worse, and finally he died. It just gets it's bad, and now it's worse. It's just gone from like, this is this is a, this is a great story, but now it's just stupid. Right? So Elijah. I mean he 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 like last week he sort of lets God have it. And he lets God know what's his what's his issue, where he hurts, where his pain point. We said last week, bring it to God, it's okay. So he says, "Oh Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me causing her son to die?" He's like, "God, you could have prevented this." So so the story goes on and he begs and pleads and and I'm I'm sure they've had, you know, some rough conversations themselves. Here he, he's, showing, he's showing up on behalf of God. And all of a sudden she's like, what have I done? She says, what have I done? What sins have I committed? Why, why is all this wrath and mess heaped on my life? Essentially what she says. And here's what I love. Verse 22, it says, the Lord heard Elijah's prayer. I, I think you hear nothing else today. When we get in a mess, you pray. You go to God. Why? Because it says the Lord heard his prayer. See, if God set all this up to bring us back to himself, don't you think he's listening when you're going through a hard time? If God set, if he set all of this up, and it's it's one of these scarcity moments, and you're like, my marriage is falling apart, my finances are rocked, I see no way out. Guess who is there in that moment? God says, or he does pray to God and God hears his prayer and for this story this is how it ends and I know some of you are you're in the thick of it and there's, there's no end in sight and maybe God doesn't give you a good happy moment tomorrow maybe th- things heat up more I don't know but that's beside, that's, a, that's sort of irrelevant because the idea here is God is our enough and he wants us to recognize and have that even beyond some of the other stuff so here's what happens the Lord hears his prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he is, and I love this word, he's what? It's revived. It's revived. Could it be that it's no accident that God brought you here today to revive something in you? Maybe there's a moment right now where you're going, oh, aha, aha moment. And you, you, you there, there's tension, I can, I can feel some tension in this room right now. But maybe, just maybe, God has reminded you of who he is and he wants to revive something that's dead in you. The creek's gone dry, your source is, is, is run empty, but God's tapping your heart, your mind, and he's saying, I want you to know who your source is, it's me. With God, we always have enough. I wonder if God has led you through some impossible situations to revive you. So let's do this. Let's take one more moment. Let's just pray together. And I I, I invite you to to take a a moment and just have a moment with God. You might need to reach around the person around you and just say, pray with me. I don't even like you right now. Would you pray with me? Some of you right now, you're so sideways in your finances, and you're like, forget you, God, because you forgot us. Maybe, just maybe God wants to revive you, to lead you back to himself, to remind you that he's your source. Let's pray. God, I know there's a boatload of scenarios, because, God, there's, there's a boatload of people here today, and, Lord, I just recognize that life is, life is, life can be difficult. You said in this world we'll have struggle, but take heart, I've overcome the world. God, would you help us recognize today Show us your glory. Show us how you are enough for us. God, I don't know how to do that, but I know you can. God, we've, we've, we've read this story. We believe your word is powerful. God, I believe you are right now piercing people's hearts. So, Lord, would you help us to be revived and turn back to you? God, I, I think some of, us, some, some of us here today would say, maybe for the first time, I'm not even a believer. I'm not even a Christian yet. But I'd like to have God as my Savior. I'd like to have what Jesus did on the cross count for me. I'm not saved. If he came back today, I wouldn't go to heaven. My sins are not forgiven. I want to be a child of God. How would you say today, just raise your hand. I won't call you out. That's me. Pray for me, Pastor. Anybody like that today? Pray for me, Pastor. I I want to be saved today. Anybody like that? I see some hands. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God, I pray for those, God, here today that would just say, I need a Savior. I pray right now that they would just simply cry out to heaven and say, Jesus, I'm, I'm asking you to be the leader and forgiver of my life. Whether you raise your hand or not. We, we believe that salvation, forgiveness, and God's grace can come to us through a prayer through a moment of belief, We're, we believe, the scripture says, if we, if we believe in our hearts, confess with our mouths, that we will be saved. If we believe that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. So God, we, we just pray and ask you to be our savior today. Forgive us. Lord, I pray for the many rest of us, the, the rest of us that are here, that are just struggling because of a difficulty. God, would you show us and remind us today that you are our enough. In your name I pray. Amen.